At this point, you should be on the frame with a film strip title that says Oral Hello, it's oral hygiene, hygiene, oral, uh, oral hygiene, oral hygiene, horrible hygiene. <laughs> this is the horrible eye dream where hey. we talk about uh, caught films, experimental films and such. It's a caught film. This, this is a caught film, right? Oh, yeah. This oh, man. A pretty Definitely. quintessential caught film. I mean, that wasn't really a question. I mean, come on. It's the wild yeah. angels. Yeah. It's 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 easy rider zero point five basically. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, yeah. Uh, this is Matt here today. Andrew is there now. Hi, I'm Andrew. Hi. Actually, you're technically there a few split seconds ago. You know, you, we never experience time as it happens. No, never. You can't you can't really live in the now. <laughs> no. Oop, there it was. Damn. You live you live in the slightly then. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I always forget. There it went again. This movie's way back when, though. Uh, Tell the folks what it's about, what happens with these Wild Angels. All right, man. So uh, this is The Wild Angels, 1966, directed by Roger Corman for American International Pictures. So this came out three years before Easy Rider, but they share one of the same leading men, Peter Fonda. Actually, this one um, got its star power from the fact that Peter Fonda was a son of Henry Fonda. And that uh, his co-star, Nancy Sinatra, wait for it, the daughter of Frank Sinatra. Don't mess with her, you'll end up with concrete boots. Oh, yeah, man, definitely (laughs) not. Yeah, it's like say Hell's Angels versus Frank Sinatra. That should have been what they made, you know? (laughs) Like Ocean's Eleven and the Wild Angels going neck to neck. That'd be cool. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, also Bruce Dern is one of the biker gang. He plays the loser. Uh, that was Diane Ladd, who I guess either was his wife at the time they made this or shortly after. And Laura Dern is their daughter, but she's not in the movie. And yeah, they play uh, Hell's Angels in Los Angeles. And the movie is about uh, their struggle to just being free to do what they want to do without being hassled by the man. And what they want to do is wear Nazi regalia and beat up Mexicans. Yeah. And then, and then uh, of course, we get into the whole thing where one of their, their own is killed and they hold the world's best funeral ever. <laughs> that funeral, I have to tell you, because obviously I saw this when I was a kid. Um, we'll get into that, I'm sure, that aspect of my personal history with bikers and motorcycles. But um, I saw this when I was a kid in that funeral scene disturbed the ever-loving crap out of me I and mean, i guess we'll talk about that when we get to it as well yeah i i well sorry it makes me that sound far right like i've i've sort of lost my uh knee-jerk reaction to a swastika living in japan because they're all oh, over sure. the maps and stuff going the other direction that's thing there's yeah. you know every every horrible symbol well not everyone but a lot of the horrible symbols used to mean something completely different but if you put it on a um you know in a white circle surrounded by red you're you're making a specific statement <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, and you know, I wouldn't necessarily say that the Hells Angels are Nazis, but it's kind of the way a lot of bikers used like the Confederate flag symbolism too. They just do it because they know it fucks with people. <laughs> like, you know, I don't know a better word to say. They they do it because it upsets people. So they'll do anything that's going to just be like outside of what is accepted. I guess it upsets people more and more, though. In the 60s, it was like, wow, that's bad taste. And then we let Prince Harry kind of sort of get away with it 15 years ago, right? Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's uh, you know, even more of a raw deal now, which just makes sense, of course. But uh, <laughs> yeah. try doing that now. <laughs> well, people <laughs> do try doing that now. But it, uh, yeah, it, it's less and less socially fitting, right? Yeah, so, it's, it's it, kind of come back around. The people that have embraced it are definitely closer to the idealism of, you know, of the Nazis. Whereas in the time of this movie, it was, yeah, it was more just to kind of razz people and to call, you know, somebody would be like, Hell, Hell's Angels just want to fight everybody. And so anything they could do to get someone to come over and start a fight with them, they're going to do it. I was just reading a, a Beatles book. Have you ever heard of the Hell's Angels incident with the Beatles? Yes. Yeah, or George Harrison was in San Francisco. So yeah, just come on over sometime. So it was like 40 of them came and took over yeah. the, the offices for like a month. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, most people's awareness of the Hells Angels and the uh, history of music context is Altamont Speedway. Oh, right, right, right. I, I guess I really do think Ken Kesey. You, know? you do? Yeah, I yeah, can see that. That comes. Yeah. And, and then there's the... um. Oh, Hunter Thompson, uh, he he wrote that Hell's Angels book, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, it's pretty good. Yeah. But uh, in this one, that that's a weird thing. I'm like, how obviously it's somewhat whitewashed. It's it's like a, you know, mid-level Hollywood production, right? Yes, but then yes. it's like weirdly not whitewashed, probably because it's 1966. Well, and because <laughs> there's actual Hell's Angels in the movie. You know? Yeah, yeah. So they like, you know, you... If you're making a biker movie in Los Angeles, if you didn't involve them with it, they would involve themselves. <laughs> so they got them on board early, you know, oh, okay. so they actually are credited with having written parts of the movie. And uh, definitely, yeah, uh, they are in all those party scenes and the bike scene. The motorcycles are gorgeous in this movie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I guess you probably can recognize that more than I can. But, you know, like, well, even as old biker fans, movies, we get. We get, you know, Dylan's triumph and stuff in the. In the yeah, no, oh, I love the it. music in this movie. <laughs> I love the music. Well, I put it, I don't know if you had time to read my notes because I sent it like 10 minutes before we started, but I, I did. <laughs> man, I really did just rip the score off when I did the music for your Humpenstein movie. <laughs> but that's exactly the sound I wanted. You know, the really fuzzed out guitars, you know, I mean, it, it um, and the, that percussion, especially um at one point and i think it may be the funeral scene which let's face it that's the that is the ultimate scene in in this movie and almost any movie from this era um there's a guy with a big conga drum walks in yeah then of course you hear this manic conga drum for like i don't know the next 15 minutes <laughs> well yeah it's a, it's, a, it's a drum circle man a drum circle of one <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think all it did was add to the madness. Just it sounded like a like like the soundtrack to a an attack in a jungle movie. I I haven't seen this maybe for ten or more years. Um, I tend to go for the trip for my my Corman 
Fonda Dern fix, right? Which we oh, did yeah. here a few weeks ago. And, and of yeah, course, you know, I will probably think of watching Easy Rider before this, although there are some ways I actually like this one quite better. But uh, <laughs> just oh, say, I'd well, like to want, hear. Yeah, I'd want, like to hear. Yeah. Um, sorry, I was prefacing things there. Um, oh, oh, I just, in my mind, I had like put the whole funeral scene like at the beginning of the movie for some reason. Mm. I so, just uh, didn't remember anything that happened after it. <laughs> so that was it for me. I left the room. Not much happens after it's just uh, everyone leaves except for, uh, you know, um, old, old blues digging a grave waiting for the fuzz to show up. Yeah. And that's a great scene, though. You know, I, I know Easy Rider had like that times 200, but it was kind of neat to see Fonda doing that because um, uh, from what I read, um, and this was from that great Roger Corman book, uh, it uh, not the how I made 100 movies in Hollywood, but the more recent hardback that they did. Um, according to them, he didn't want Fonda, but the guy, I think originally he wanted Bruce Dern to play blues but then something about fonda they're like okay well he's a better i guess he's a better name to carry the movie but he was like don't let him take his sunglasses off ever because he looks weak <laughs> because if you know fonda does have that you know that kind of quality about him he looks kind of plaintive he doesn't look like a tough guy yeah i wonder how would this movie play if they had flipped those two roles <laughs> oh my god I think loser would have died way sooner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, never a good omen if if you're coming in as loser, I guess. <laughs> uh, the loser. Yeah, the loser. Excuse me. Um, yeah, I guess everyone gets a nice nickname. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't really dig the biker nicknames for this. I think the most realistic one they had in terms of my experience with it was uh, uh, Nancy Sinatra's character's name, Mike. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. That that's like a that's a Star Trek Discovery reference, I guess. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the first time they did it, I wonder if that was so in someone's mind. It's like, hey, let's get because the thing was, let's give her a a, a dude name, yeah. right? And yeah. Maybe someone's like, hey, I like the Wild Angels. I don't know that that's a far reach. I know. Um, I'm hoping it. I, I'm hoping that's true. No, the things that okay. Obviously, Easy Rider is a better movie, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it doesn't really have the just whacked out biker party action this one has. No, I mean, Easy Rider is a more of an indie film. In fact, uh, I think Dennis Hopper brought it to Roger Corman and Roger Corman obviously loved it. But Sam Arkoff, who you know was the head of AIP there, uh, did not want Dennis Hopper to direct. He's like, no way. That so isn't just, that isn't a nuts um, judgment. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, they took it, you know, to Columbia Pictures, and that's you know that's like everybody knows the rest. <laughs> the rest but yeah, just, it's it's some skinny dipping into pressing communes and Easy Rider, right? Where it's, it's I mean, full yeah, on biker better, party here. <laughs> better soundtrack, but yeah, no. This is this is the this is be the movie the bikers would want to watch. More so that's, than that's kind of get anyway, it feels more like a biker movie and Easy Rider. Easy Rider's got yeah. nice bikes, but this is more the biker movie. And yeah, again, the soundtrack is better in Easy Rider, but this one's like more like it's original for the movie and just has it has the exploitation sound where Easy Rider oh, yeah. has like a real movie sound, but 
you kind of want the exploitation sound sometimes. Yeah, if if someone was going to be like, what's a biker movie? I mean, this is more of what I'd show them. Any movies with Bury Me an Angel, The Naked Angel, you know, any like that. The only thing I would say that Wild Angels has over some of those is that when they encounter like terrain that's not a road, um, in some of those old biker movies, <laughs> you can actually see them chasing each other. Then when they get to the woods or a dirt road or whatever, they just dress a dirt bike <laughs> like a motorcycle. <laughs> and you can easily tell they're like they're just on dirt bikes now <laughs> with saddlebacks. It's so stupid. But uh Wild Angels doesn't do that. It's actually pretty impressive. Uh Peter Fonda was pretty great at uh riding that motorcycle. Well, yeah, this is when the, you know, the, the Corman machine was on, on full blast. So there's not much exploitation drag in this movie. Yeah. Like it does mostly keep moving pretty well, you know? No, it, it does. It's a pretty tight movie. And uh, I think for the most part, the performances are really good. Like it's, it's, I could see why they would have picked Dern first because I mean, he is, I think a better actor than Peter Fonda. Well, he would have had more pathos in the role because blues just seems like, well, real stone because Fonda was probably real stoned. <laughs> yeah, and he doesn't really, he mostly is kind of monosyllabic. I mean, he's really, I think Fonda wanted to play him as a guy who's of few words, you know, and he often will answer the question with a same sentence, like, you know, he'll just repeat himself rather than expound. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it isn't that far off from Captain America, you know, I guess you you add a, a little more like hippie vibe and easy writer, but uh, no, it's a, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I mean, the thing there is they were like trying to take the personalities of the birds a bit, I think for easy writer where here it is just, you know, like whatever he constructed yeah. for this role. <laughs> Plus Dennis Hopper could not ride a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see what, what I got here. Oh yeah. I had, I had to make a early note which we'll have to explain for, um, you know, Corbin Rogers, but his films are so boring. Yeah. <laughs> how little, how, how little we knew, how much we knew. Yeah. But yeah, we, when we were kids, we'd make the movie posters of Corbin Rogers and think of like the most boring movie concepts possible, not knowing that Andy Warhol had basically already done all that. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, for those who don't know, Matt and I, when we were kids, we were, um, amateur filmmakers backyard filmmakers front yard filmmakers every room in the house filmmakers and we were what i was i was probably 12 so that would have made you like 10 yeah right and so um yeah i pulled the name roger corman out of the back of my mind because that was a name that you know my dad and i watched a lot of those movies on tv so that was like a, a name that we that i knew and i just flipped and called him corman rogers so instead of making really exciting things our character made the boringest movies ever. And didn't he in interviews about his films fall asleep? Right. Right. He <laughs> just like, <laughs> yeah, well, I was, um, like, Corman, he was are you still there. <laughs> he was like the human equivalent of the, the, the sloth from Zootopia a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, basically the sloth didn't fall asleep though. And he was a fast driver, right? No, you just <laughs> thought he was like, you know, just falling asleep mid sentence. Right. Right. <laughs> Uh, what else do I have here? Um, oh yeah, Dern's last. Uh, she didn't seem that sharp, um, which was five points against anything feminist, I guess. Um, yeah, well, that's uh, true. Lad's role. I for, I forget what the, the name of that character was, but 
yeah, I don't remember what Diane Ladd's um, character name was either. But uh, yeah, I yeah mean, she, she looked great on camera, though. And I think she did hold her own with Dern. Oh, her acting wasn't bad. Just the character was, it was yeah. she wasn't bad. She was just drawn that way, you know? Yeah, no, <laughs> she may. I mean, she awful things happened to her, like really disturbingly awful things. Again, funeral scene. We'll get to it. But yeah. like um, some of the choices that she makes um afterward it's just like uh i had i had trouble understanding her reasoning but i don't think i was supposed to think that much about it either no no that's the thing when we're watching it now it sticks out and when you watch it in 1966 it was just like things that happen in movies yes that's true that's very true like yeah that's the weird thing i guess about making exploitation films now it's like if you go completely real you're gonna end up with something that's gonna get you in the and that people are not going to dig yeah no it uh some of them are really kind of push that envelope uh, sean baker is a good example of uh that kind of filmmaking where you know people are like you know maybe not to not to that great of an extent but like larry clark was maybe in the 90s and early 2000s right so uh let's see what else i got oh here's a bad note this place is a mecca for bikers (laughs) so i i guess there is a mecca in california didn't know that i i did what was it um i I think i mentioned before i i stumbled into this weird like death valley town called or it was between owens and death valley called darwin and it's like one of the most bizarre places i've ever been i think it's 50 people it's called it Darwin. Like- it was about 50 people live there, tiny mm-hmm. town in the desert. And then we drive off a couple more miles and there was and then we started like exploring the abandoned mine, which is probably a terrible idea. But, you know, ooh, that's it was yeah. fun. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. <laughs> but now we went a little bit. And it's like, hey, there's a shaft that never ends <laughs> going straight oh, down <laughs> yeah portal to hell probably yeah it probably was a portal to hell and it looked like eight, like outside of it looked like it was abandoned like 1890 or something it was like crazy <laughs> yeah it's like if you know if no snakes will go near it then yeah probably no yeah it was a death valley it's too hot for the snakes <laughs> but it was january so it's actually quite comfortable <laughs> oh yeah 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 january valley um I started thinking about some proto Mad Max watching this one. I mean, they don't, you know, they get all the cops, but they don't get like a badass interceptor. You got one cop taking on a biker gang. That's very Mad Max. Yeah, it was. Oh, man. You know, you would think that the last one would just like run away. But he had he had the cojones. Yeah. So yeah. And, and Dern takes off with uh, with one of their bikes. You know, they 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 think that uh, this Mexican. uh uh, re- rep- this repair shop run by these uh mexican dudes they think that they're the ones that stole uh loser's bike and so they go over there wanting to retrieve it and think that it's been stripped and this all you know they're like oh this is one of the parts i recognize this screw <laughs> it's just <laughs> totally hokey and fonda calls them a racial slur and then they they fight each other and the cops bust it up and then Dern, yeah he just hops on the police motorcycle and runs around the other side that was he badass. Does, he does die as a result of doing that, though. 
I mean, in a way, he wasn't he injured? Like, didn't the cops shoot him in the back? I think when he was on the him? bike. I think he was on the bike when he got he shot. On so. the bike, and he gets shot. And so, yeah, he starts to kind of, you know, milk was a bad choice. He, he, he begins, his vision begins to blur. And uh, I think maybe he sees the blockade up ahead and decides to screw it. And he just goes off the road and eats it. Yeah, basically. Um, I did make the note. Where was it? Oh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Of course, Bruce Dern's acting is fine, but I was like, most of his acting in this movie is just grunting or, or playing mm-hmm. Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> well, he does that for most of his role, except Drive, he said, but uh, for most of the time, yeah. So just, just a grunter. But yeah, he, he obviously has... What, what, what point in the movie does he die? 30 minutes in or something? Yeah, he does, but he comes... <laughs> we see him again. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah. Um that yeah, the, what what a loser the loser is, right? Just getting dragged off from your job, getting fired and then and then killed. <laughs> well, I mean, he I mean, he quit. I mean, he he mouthed off to the boss and I think maybe threw shit at him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that that'll usually do it, I guess, but uh <laughs> Yeah, but no, it's it's true. Um you know, that, that's the whole thing. And, and I've never seen any sort of analysis of this movie, but there is the whole ethos of freedom and the whole thing of, of the, the bikers claiming that that's what they want. Yeah. Um, but yet they seem to not want it really for anyone else. They seem to want, you know, them to live rather than just free as human beings, free of consequence for their mm-hmm. actions and free of accountability for all the damage that they cause they are it's up to you to decide if they're any better than the kind of um oppressive authorities that they te- they, they they claim to despise well yeah it's the whole alistair crowley thing do us out wilt but you need to yes. add to that but don't be an asshole <laughs> oh god and they are that's the thing about this movie like can you get behind them as protagonists do you are you on their side of course not they're they're terrible <laughs> Um, I, so almost, it's a tough almost, sell, isn't it? Yeah. Almost, almost ironically, but I'm like, it kind of does fit. I was just thinking of, um, you know, cause I watched so much star Trek with the idea of the, whoever's in command sometimes has to send people to their death and blues is having a existential crisis. Cause he kind of sent the loser to his death. <laughs> I mean, in a way, you know, cause he was really pushing things. He was, he was, what do they say? He was, uh, he was definitely like accelerating things. There's a better word, but I can't find it. Escalate. Escalating. That's right. <laughs> he was he was a definitely an agitator because, you know, he was the one that came in accusing people of stealing. Right. And, uh, He's the one that's like, let's go get your bike right now. Right now. Yeah. And, and then why that like, was the most important thing in, in life at that moment. I don't know. And we don't need to go after a loser. He'll be fine because he knows how to deal with this shit, which he didn't this particular yeah. day yeah because they're starting to worry about him uh his girlfriend definitely starting to worry about him the gang all come back the loser does not yeah like aren't you worried about him no he he can't he knows how to handle the man <laughs> no actually he's he's all like with his arms left of him somewhere in a ditch <laughs> and i think i don't remember how it was that they came upon that they were able to view his body and then like in the morgue and then run off with it. Well, I think they just ran off with it because it seemed like the more the whoever was 
you know, it, it wasn't like a normal, like it wasn't like the big Lebowski's mortician that was, or funeral director that was very, you know, um, professional. This guy seemed to be a little sketchy, you know, backwoods sort of. Yeah, like, I guess it's the where they were. Yeah. Did they not like bribe him a bit, like pay him off to get the body? They, I think they may have. I think mm-hmm. they may have because, you know, look the other way. Because that's, uh, that's where they're making the deal because they're like, okay, 350 is like, oh, I could do it for 450, 400. That's final. You know, they're like making a bribe haggle. That was what it was because otherwise, how do a bunch of bikers on loud ass motorcycle, although they weren't, they brought a van, um, get away with taking a body out from under <laughs> where, the, you know, the cops are totally involved in this, you know? And in fact, uh, I think what happened was um, Mike comes down to uh to be questioned by the police and um gets them out of there in time for unless i'm mixing it up with another movie and then while the cops are with her out of the morgue more than um the bikers come in the back way and, and get them out something like that yeah I, I don't have the heist mechanics down but uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, no, it was more than just we run in pay you and get out i think there was i think yeah, there was yeah. a few different their, their plan was actually pretty good um but so uh then they roll out to the ski resort which i was like wow ski resorts around here like look the same that's, that's kind of interesting <laughs> just just like the ones uh, in the mountains uh, around me so <laughs> huh. so yeah. i guess they all look the same <laughs> i mean why not i mean it has to be something it has to be something people would recognize as a, a ski place yeah i guess it's that that like fake alpine look right <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah why not yeah so uh, that leads us to the the funeral, which my God, what do you feel when you watch this funeral? Because in short, listeners, what happens is, you know, losers in there wrapped in the swastika flag. All the hell's angels are there for the service. They've gotten uh, a minister for it to deliver the the uh, eulogy, and it just descends into absolute anarchy. So, I mean, did you find it funny or, I mean, did it, it get, it bothers me still. Um, it makes me think of the opening scene for the even more obscure, just for the hell of it, which yes. also involves a rather unfortunate rape scene. Yeah. That's a Herschel Gordon Lewis, right? Yeah. So yeah. Um, that one has the fantastic song destruction in it and i i think i saw that before i saw this weirdly enough so when i saw the funeral scene it really made me think this is that like keyed up even more yeah this has got uh i mean it's borderline necrophilia they've got a definite gang rape that goes on in here in fact it's the woman whose whose boyfriend is lying there dead yeah, my note was funeral roofies and rape for the morning girl is super bad form. It's terrible um, because first they first they run off the preacher because Fonda's just like they're starting to boo him. They don't no, like they, anything. They tie up the preacher. Yeah, they tie. That's right. They tie him up. <laughs> they, and they, smash they keep him the for the. Yeah, they keep him for the party. That's right, because he's like he's in there once they're all gone. I think still. Yeah, um, he gets a bottle, gets himself free, and call uses the phone as soon as he can. Yeah, they uh, they just just destroy this whole thing. And Hell Hell's Angels, of course, love to do this sort of thing. And I imagine some actual alcohol was definitely involved. And um, so the loser, Bruce Stern's character, um, you know, he's lying there in the 
for the open viewing. And they just put a helmet on him with a swastika and they prop him up and put a joint in his mouth and it's weekend at Bernie's and sunglasses just so we don't have, so he looks like he belongs yeah. to the party. So. Yeah. And Dern plays a great corpse. <laughs> I mean, he really just, no matter what they do to him, his expression stays the same. I mean, it's really, it's frightening. I mean, just the idea, you remember this movie stone cold, Brian Bosworth, Lance Henriksen is the biker uh, gang leader. Um, I know of it. <laughs> it's like a 90 early 90 yeah, yeah or late 80s. Uh this is this has got a, Hendrickson was one of the great biker leaders in in a, in movie history with this movie. And I do consider it Stone Cold to be a biker movie, although Bosworth is an undercover cop. But um yeah, there's a scene where William Forsythe, great character actor, is killed and they give him a sort of a viking funeral. And so rather than be propped up like uh, Dern is in this, Forsyth's character uh, is lit on fire on his motorcycle. His corpse <laughs> is burnt up on his motorcycle. A- I, I remember that just going, I don't like this either. <laughs> like, what is it with this stuff? And it turns out I was just thinking about Stone Cold Steve Austin anyway. So. <laughs> I know this was not one of his. <laughs> no, Bosworth is pretty good. I think he did one other movie that I saw. But uh yeah, it's just more of this disregard for I think and it's right in line with their their belief system. What would they have done if Blues didn't show up for the funeral? Speaking really of his know. escalating skills. Yeah, but <laughs> they wouldn't I mean, have had a good speech maker to to you know rant like an idiot at the priest. Okay, Which, two as questions. we know, makes for a fantastic sound clip. But yeah, I was going to say one. Um, what album begins with that monologue? Primal Screams Loaded. Okay. And Screamadelica. What, what um, do you feel like that speech is a little out of character for him, given that he's so like semi nonverbal throughout the movie? I mean, he does get in arguments and stuff, but. I, maybe 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 it's not what do you think of the speech in terms of his character but what do you think of his performance there um again it's hard for me to say because i was so used to hearing it in the primal scream song before i saw this movie so when it came up it's like up oh, there it is right so it Those... doesn't seem either out of character or just poorly delivered probably both but it's again me coming in from the like here is the sound clip you know it's like it's like when you're watching again maybe a star trek and it's one of those episodes with one of the uh, memes that shows up everywhere and you're like oh there's the meme yeah it like True. doesn't really work in context anymore because it stands out ah uh, yeah and and for me that i mean that moment that whole scene is just really kind of pivotal uh because um it's is fonda if is that is the, the monologue supposed to be appealing to the young people that the audience the intended audience for the film or they sort of through his monologue kind of ridiculing that whole his whole everything. I'm going to go for ridicule because I see the funeral scene as being basically the ultimate exploitation scene, you know, yeah. so so far that it doesn't necessarily sit well with people. Yeah. Yeah. No, it 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 I mean, I watched it not long ago when you said you wanted to do this movie and I was like, "Yep." it is still freaky. <laughs> like I still don't like this. Cause we just did switchblade sisters. Right. And that, 
that doesn't i mean that's like a perfect exploitation film but it doesn't have a scene that's just that exploitative for what like 20 full-on minutes <laughs> yeah you don't really get that i mean you have some some good action and definitely you know uh you know god whenever it was that they break out the it's not a tank but you know the um i mean i army. think maybe the 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 scene itself uh, just it actually is a film hell's angels party basically right <laughs> i mean just going by documentaries i've seen of hell's angels and showing footage of real hell's angels and other stuff uh hell's angels on wheels good example i uh yeah to me i'm like that's that's basically it you know yeah so I mean, I think that's where that scene just stands out. It's very iconic and is the most exploitative thing you'll see outside of something that's just like, you know, like a snuff film or something. Yeah, no. You're Which totally they try to make it look like a snuff film as well. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, the you're really in it. You know, it, it, it has that that verite quality that people back then associated with, yeah, documentary and with reality and with newsreel and things like that. I mean, it's. I mean, I guess that's why I mistook that for being at the beginning of the movie, because that basically is the movie. The rest of it isn't bad at all, but um, that's that's what you take come away with in the end. Yeah. And there's another once they get to the cemetery, you're like, oh, God, what are they going to do here? Because they do have a procession and the bikes all go in line to the cemetery and um, they try to bury loser. but It doesn't really work out so great. Yeah, you wonder if they're going to start like digging up other bodies or something at that point, right? <laughs> well, I like what happens here though, because the 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 Mexican guys, they've f- f- followed them there. They see them there. This is the guys that they came and started shit with earlier in the movie, unfounded shit, just born of racism. And then, uh, so they're they're having their moment with loser, and they're trying to lower him down into the ground. And one of those dudes just comes in and just throws like, what is it? Like a brick? Yeah. Something like that. (laughs) He hits hits blues or someone right as they're lowering him in. So the coffin kind of falls and just, I mean, it just, and then they have this huge rumble in the cemetery. It's not as um, like, it's, it's not as ultimate as the, the uh, part the funeral scene but it's definitely like rumble right. in the cemetery right that was a, that was a fight. see that's what i'm saying that was a film fight whereas the uh funeral scene seems to, that we actually got like a proper hell's angels exactly. party on film you know warts and all i mean yeah. some of it's staged but i mean it happened right at the parties themselves i'm sure so <laughs> yeah no absolutely no we can at the end talk about or at least my experience with actual biker parties. Like, well, you know. okay, I, I guess we'll roll on that because uh, honestly, I only have a few more minutes anyway. So let's let's get into your biker experience. Okay, well, um, I don't think this has ever come up in the show before, but I was raised by bikers in the late '70s and early '80s. Uh, my parents and their close friends, their best friends, uh, were a gang, a biker club, rather. You don't say gang. <laughs> uh in Dorville and Shambly, Georgia, uh called the Family Dog. And um we had a woman in there named Ralphie. So the that's where I thought the mic thing was authentic. <laughs> and um my dad's bikes that he built um did get stolen at one point. And they were stolen like we know who did it. And the guy was named Coco because he was into cocaine and drugs. 
And so, yeah, the guy just, while my mom was in the hospital having open heart surgery, this, this guy and his, and his buddies knew my dad wasn't going to be home, that nobody was going to be in the house. And it turned out there actually were people in the house. Uh, my aunt, um, who was uh, like there asleep while my brother and I were asleep and we were very little. Um, yeah, Coco and his, and his buddies, not other guys in the club, um, they came and loaded up my dad's bikes and just drove off with them. They were eventually found and they were, yeah, they were stripped and it was pretty bad. But uh, yeah, there was, um, I mean, the parties were, we have a pool table, you know, rock and roll music, lots of beer. Uh, I saw a little bit of drugs. Um, but yeah, uh, because of movies like the wild angels the public gets this perception of that all bikers are the hell's angels and therefore are criminals and they're frightening and they swap wives and you don't know how many people i talk to that just assume that about my family and their friends and uh so um there was a petition that some of the neighbors signed uh to get to force us to move <laughs> and they brought it to the door one day yeah of course my dad told them to stick it up their ass and you know, in true fashion, but uh, yeah, there's lots of stories within that and through the, the years of growing up that way. But um, I think I got the message of individualism, which I think is the only like kind of inspiring part of it. Yeah, there is quite a motorcycle culture in Japan. And it's funny because you'll, they, you know, they'll do all the leathers and stuff. I guess it happens in the States too somewhat. But, you know, going for the full regalia, but they're, they're actually salarymen in a Tokyo office all week. So, <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, that that ended up being kind of what because the, the biker of the, that era, Hell's Angel, I mean, they still exist, but it's definitely considered a criminal organization. And then clubs like my dad's, uh, they were of the period um, because once Harley Davidson had themed restaurants and clothes for your dog, I mean, it was pretty much over. Yeah. <laughs> so we definitely see that here. Although I, I did, you know, notice um, like in America, it seems like and maybe it's changed back, but especially like 20 years ago, it seemed like the, the Yamaha and Kawasaki, you know, kind of like speedy motorcycles were becoming more popular. Whereas they were, they were for your weekend warriors, what they call them. They yeah. bring their bike out on a trailer instead of riding it from yeah. somewhere you know but the funny thing is at the same time in japan the harleys and the triumphs were becoming super popular <laughs> yeah yeah the, the the harley the triumph um my grandpa had an indian that was like a i mean the shit wouldn't start it was a piece of junk <laughs> <laughs> but uh no I don't, I don't think i've ever been on a motorcycle i didn't learn to ride a bicycle until i was 25 <laughs> Yeah. Uh, gosh, first time I was on a motorcycle, um, I was bungee corded to my dad's chest. <laughs> there was no car seat for a motorcycle. Right. Uh, that I, was um, his transportation. My one of my fun facts is I was licensed to drive a bus before I learned to ride a bicycle. It's pretty wild. <laughs> that's pretty. It's pretty wild. But I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, there weren't many places in Doorville to actually ride a bicycle that wouldn't like semi get you killed. I mean, it was not set up for it. Yeah. That's why I never had one, but uh... <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't smart. I got hurt a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, yeah, I wiped down Japan a few times, especially uh, earlier on. Right. When I oh God. Yeah. Up. We went over some of those stories here. 
yeah, on the, the on the podcast. Right, right. The shredded clothes and bleeding. I guess I should probably take an hour or two off now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. That wasn't too long ago. No, no. Um, I guess we should wrap this one up today. So what you got up? You're you're getting back to filming, is it? Is it almost filming oh, yeah. time? Yeah, this is. We're about to release our next uh, mixtape, which that's what our DVDs are for sale at gonzorific.com, G-O-N-Z-O-R-I-F-F-I-C. And um, I'm readying to make um, my second ever feature film this year. Got a name? um, The working title is Phantom Janet. And we do use the opening scene from Phantom Planet, but you're going to have to wait to figure out how we use it. Okay. (laughs) Um, as for this one, it is oral hygiene. It's on Twitter. It's on Facebook, all that. It's in the podcasting umbrella on Patreon of Podcastio, Podcastius, where we talk about sci-fi films, um, Pokemon, Monster Hunter. And there's currently an exclusive there of, of the first four episodes where we talk about Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. I love that show. We'll get the sec the last two finished up before too long. But uh, if anyone wants to throw in a buck or something, you can hear that in some early episodes and stuff. So let's go go be free and ride our machines, which in my case is going to be a commuter train. But <laughs> did you advance the film strip? Are you on the final page? Well done. I have watched from the space above The blue sphere I've grown to love But I've seen explosions in the sky There is no more time to kill Enjoy your final thrill Cause I've seen explosions in the sky They say nothing ever lasts events have come to pass yes yeah,